Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio, a show featuring people and companies who are making a positive contribution to the world. This show will help you learn how to apply success principles in every area of your life so that you can make the most out of your skills and talents and accomplish more of your goals. To find out more about the show, please visit www.journeytosuccessradio.com. Hello, everyone. I want to welcome everyone to Journey to Success Radio Show. I want to give a special thanks to Tom Tutal Cunningham for allowing me to sit behind the mic today. My name is Chuck Bellina. I am a personal development coach, and our company here in Pittsburgh is called Results from Thinking. My whole goal is to help people uh, become a better person or better in their life, and, and we do that through helping people close the gap between the goals and desires they want and the results that they achieve. So today, I have the privilege of speaking with Dave Sanderson. Dave is an inspirational survivor, speaker, and author. His thoughts on leadership have made him an internationally sought-out speaker. When U.S. Airways Flight 1549, where the miracle on the Hudson ditched into the Hudson River on January 15, 2009, Dave knew he was exactly where he was supposed to be. The last passenger on the back of the plane on that fateful day, he was largely responsible for the well-being and safety of, of others, risking his own life in frigid waters to help other passengers off the plane that day. Despite the hazards to himself, uh, Dave thought only of helping others and emerged from the wreckage with a mission to encourage others to do the right things. Today, he travels the globe sharing his inspirational and motivational leadership messages to help people make a difference in how they do business and how they live their lives. Dave, are you there? I am. Thank you for having me, Chuck. Hey, uh, thanks for joining us today. It's uh, an honor and a privilege for me to be able to talk to you. Uh, I have followed your story. I have definitely followed the Miracle on the Hudson. And I got to admit, I have not watched the movie yet. You're one of the few people who have not seen the movie. Well, hopefully, we get to see the movie here shortly. It's, it's, uh, uh, I, gotta, I, I will say that when I knew that you and I were going to be talking, I started looking for it, and I couldn't find it on uh, Netflix and some of the other channels I had on my TV. So uh, I will commit to you uh, very soon. I'm going to watch uh, Sully and uh, kind of get a full perspective of everything. But well, I'll be on Netflix just for your information, your listeners, on, on December 20th. It's going to be released on Netflix then. So. Oh, awesome. I will uh, make note of that. Thank yep. you. Um, hey, so we're going to dive right in here, and uh, I'm really curious to kind of see, you know, that fateful day. That was some, uh, you know, people make change in their life based on two things. One is repetition. Uh, and that's what I, when I coach people, I work with them on repetition to change behaviors that they don't like the outcomes. The other one is an emotional impact. And on January 15th, 2009, you had an emotional impact. Um, so when faced with a decision to leave or stay that day, how did you make the decision to do the right thing? Well, it wasn't my game plan, Chuck. Canley, my game plan once I saw Captain Sullenberger and he, uh, he did such a tremendous job of getting that plane over the George Washington Bridge and into the river. Uh, but once we got down, my game plan was simple. Get to the aisle, get up, and get out. <laughs> I had no other thoughts than that. But when I got to the aisle, something happened that not only changed that day, but probably changed the entire direction where I was headed. Was my mom, who had passed away in 1997, mm. started talking to me in my head. And 
she said, I heard something in my head that she told me when I was a child. It was, if you, it was, if you do the right thing, God will take care of you. Right. And one of the great things about my mother, and I'll give a shout out to her, is that she never really told us what to do. She always gave us an option and made us make our choice. But you knew what she wanted. She knew, you knew down deep inside what she sure. wanted to do. Absolutely. But she always gave you that choice. Of, you know, what was, what was the right thing for me? And the right thing for me was, you know, going towards the back and helping some people who needed some additional help. And that's what, uh, that's how I became the last passenger off the plane. That's amazing, Dave. That's um, truly amazing. And a lot of people I'm sure are very thankful that you were there that day. Um, some people go into with a situation like this, uh, PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder. And, you know, faced with a crisis situation, um, it, it's, it's sort of a mental block. And uh, you termed the coin PTGS. So you didn't do PTSD. You experienced uh, sort of growth uh, from this experience. How did that happen for you? Well, first, I didn't coin the expression. How I got that expression was I got a phone call one day from a editor from uh, AARP magazine who asked me if I would be interviewed for an article that they were doing around uh, how people grow from a traumatic experience. And Anyway, I didn't. I thought, a first, I was too young for AARP, but mm -hmm. uh, second, uh, I was intrigued. So I did this interview, and they coined the term to me PTGS, post-traumatic growth syndrome. Okay. And when we did the interview, it was really interesting because that's when I started revealing my strategies for growth. Um, and because all of us that day on the plane, the crew and the passengers were given the option of uh, therapy and you know to help us through our challenges towards happened to us all and, right. and I, I didn't take that I, mean, I know a number of the passengers and crew that did but I didn't and I kept started thinking well why didn't I take it and it all became down to the questions I asked myself and you know and that's when this sort of, this whole article came about is because I realized you, know, you can actually grow from a traumatic experience instead of going into depression mm -hmm. I started speaking to the military f folks who come back from Afghanistan and Iraq and sheriffs and policemen who have been going through some challenges themselves and also I start seeing a pattern and the pattern I started seeing is they kept asking the same question to themselves is that why does this happen to me over and over where they get so deep it's hard mm -hmm. for them to get out of it and okay so the question I asked myself was how can I add even more value and enjoy the process and I told people I think enjoying the process is the key phrase in that because uh, yeah, you can add value to people all day long but if you don't like it if you're not happy it doesn't really matter. You don't get fulfillment. Right. So I think that was the, the second big first change. And that's how that, that whole article started coming together about me in the interview. It's about the questions I ask myself were totally different than most people ask themselves after a traumatic experience. That's pretty powerful. And um, working with people and I've studied a lot of material. Uh, Think and Grow Rich is one of the books that we really rely on. And I know Tom Tutal Cunningham, he's a uh, certified Napoleon Hill instructor. He talks a lot about auto-suggestion. You know, what are you telling yourself? And you have two choices. You're either in control of your thoughts or you're not. And it can be a negative or a positive experience. And it doesn't matter which direction you go. You can put yourself in a hole or you can pull yourself out and I, I've used this phrase before, you can be a victim or a survivor, and it's a mindset. And unfortunately, a lot of people really get stuck into a, a victimhood mindset that they have a hard time in that negative thought process to get out of it. 
and somehow you've managed to, and you know, credit to your mom if, if she's, you know, instilled that inside of you to seek the silver lining. Sounds like you're a man of faith and, and you said, okay, you had me here for a reason. What are you going to do with me next? Because yeah, you didn't put me on hold and put me in a seat for, you know, the remainder of my life. I'm going to do something with this. And well, I think it's exactly right. I think that that day God <clears throat> intervened. I think he gave us all pathways um, that day. He, we were all on, the, all on that plane for a reason, each one of us. <laughs> and we all had to be there to pull this thing off. But I think each one of us got, was open a pathway up and I took the pathway. And, you know, I just wrote a blog today, uh, Chuck, about, about this, about suffering in the purpose because of this way the country is right now. So many people are suffering. Yes. Is, you know, and it's because of the meaning they attach. And I talk about Victor Frankl in the book that I read that really impacted me in college about, you know, you know, the, you know putting this different, attaching a meaning to suffering instead of just going into that state of depression. And um, it's, I think you're exactly, you hit it around the head. It's, it's a, it's right now, this is what people are looking for. They, they need to get out of pain. And instead of always getting so deep into it, they can't get out. So, that's one of my missions likewise is when I speak is see if I can help somebody who may be in a challenging situation to know that, you know, there is hope, you know, there is, but you have to have this, like, like you talk about think and grow rich. It's that auto suggestion. It's that question you ask yeah. yourself. And if you ask yourself lousy questions, you get lousy results. Right. And so I totally agree. And you'll never get a positive life from uh, negative thought processes. Right. <clears throat> um, did you have any particular training that helped you that particular day? Well, I, I attribute all my years of what I – just growing up and what I did, I, I really attributed to the years I spent with Tony Robbins. You know, I was with Tony for a number of years, at least 10. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just being around him and traveling with him and, and learning and, and absorbing everything that he taught he came together that day, such as how to manage your mind when all hell is breaking loose. You know, that state <laughs> management, how do you do that? How can you – how can you communicate in different modalities when, you know, when somebody, you're in a highly visual state and all of a sudden you got someone who's all they are in an auditory state and you can't communicate. How do you do that? So right. I think the training that I had, you know, just being around Tony and what I invested in myself, and that's why I speak so passionately about personal development. You know, that's where I started my, my, my careers in sales was I, they, sales training back in, in the early mid eighties was if you were in sales is product training. They didn't teach you how to sell. They, right. taught, they taught you products. And I was realizing that I, I could learn products all day long, but if I didn't know how to interact with people, I better, you know, I wasn't going to be successful. So that's why I started investing myself in personal development. And that's what led me on that pathway of training and learning. Um, so I, uh, I think that's uh, where I really took those skills that I learned. And, and I, I think one of the things that Tony's really proud of, and I, I won't speak for him, but I know that he is proud because I, I used what he taught in a situation to show people, if you use these skills, you too can not only survive, but thrive after something. And what I find is people think that it is, I don't say magic, but there's more to it than what it really is. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. That there's more to, you know, Napoleon Hill says, you must take possession of your own mind and direct it to ends of your own means. And if you don't, now there's circumstances um, you know, because of that negative circumstances that are addressed and auto suggestion is one having desire, uh, for what you want, having faith in yourself and in the process, but also faith in the system of, you know, my understanding what Tony Robbins teaches is that the, your ability to influence your world is between your two ears. 
it's not the circumstances. It's not pure luck. It's how you handle this, the situations that you're placed in. And um, a lot of people try to make it more complicated than it really is, but it, it's also complex to control your thinking and direct it. You know, if I want to work out and it's cold in the morning, so now I have a choice, I either stay in a warm bed or I get up and I go run because my, you know, my desire is to be fit. And part of that process is to get out and go run. And it just happens to be cold or rainy that day. But the other side of me says, stay in this warm bed. And now it's a fight. And that's really what it comes down to is directing yourself and doing what you need to do. And it's persistence. It's, it's doing uh, things uh, on a daily basis that drive you towards that goal. And um, so, yeah, I, I love Tony Robbins. I love listening to him. And it's really exciting that you've had the opportunity to you know, work directly uh, with him and uh, learn from him. So um, out of curiosity, you know, we can see what happened on TV. Uh, we saw images of the plane hitting the water, like, and I think this all took place in a matter of 200 seconds. Like the, uh, from the time of bird impact to uh, landing in the water was approximately 208 seconds. Were you aware of what was happening when those birds impacted or did you like, when did you realize that things weren't going right? Well, initially when, when the birds hit, I, I heard the explosion. I looked out the window. I was in seat 15A. So I had a window seat right over the wing. And I looked out, and I saw fire coming out from underneath the left wing. But, you know, I fly so often, over 100 times a year, I thought the plane lost an engine. Yeah. No big deal. It didn't startle me because I knew from flying so often, planes have two engines. Yeah. So, you know, but no one knew on that plane, except for the captain and first officer, that what happened on the left side of the plane also happened on the right side of the plane. Wow. And no one cross-referenced and said, hey, what did you see? What did you hear? Because I truly believe, and I say this when I speak, is if anybody would have checked in, there could have been a lot of panic. When people panic, people lose their heads. And when people lose their heads, then they start making irrational decisions. And right. Unfortunately for us, no one really cross-referenced. They thought, everybody thought on that plane that, hey, you got another engine. We're going back to LaGuardia because you fought in banking. So it's like, okay. Yeah. Dude's going back to LaGuardia, right? Yeah. yeah. But uh, then he started crossing over to George Washington, and then he came on to say, and then you look down, you see people's faces looking up because he was roughly three, 400 feet above the George Washington, and George Washington is about 600 feet up. Okay. Roughly anywhere from 900 to 1,100 feet, somewhere in that range as he was crossing. So you look down and see people's faces, but that's when he said his famous words, brace for impact. Yeah, when I think everybody knew that this is a he used the word dire in his book. I would I thought it was I thought it was serious. Uh, dire is probably more accurate. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt on the verbiage on that. Because at that point, when you're looking into the water, you're going fast into the water. Right. How many options left? You know. Right. What you can control, I can tell you. Just said it a moment ago, Chuck. Is what's between your ears, your mind. Mm-hmm. What you controls your thoughts because you can't control the plane. You can't right. get up and make anything change, but you can't control what you're thinking and, and right. what, what your, your internal representation. So, and that's what I did. I think for all of us, I think most of us on that plane did that well. Um, whether you're checking in with your creator or you're, you know, calling your wife or texting or whatever people were doing, people were handling the situation um, really well because I think everybody knew at that point it probably wasn't going to end up very well. And what, 155 people were on the plane? Total, that's correct. Crew so passed. there is uh, a lot of people that, you know, which, which is amazing because everyone handles it different. So there's a spectrum of response and some people may freeze and other people may panic and other people may, 
stay in control. And, uh, you know, that's when sort of you rise to the top and, and help direct people and get them to safety. But well, that's what our leadership happened with so many people on the yeah. plane. That's what I talk about in leadership. And it's true that in the most uncertain times, a person with the most certainty is one who all of a sudden becomes the leader. And you don't know who that person is. You know, right. I mean, because you don't know their background, you know, their backstory, whatever it is. And all of a sudden leaders step up in most uncertain times. And that's what happened on that plane. Yeah. Our leadership step up. So, um, so talking about leadership and playing a role in the outcome of uh, the miracle on the Hudson, how does that relate to entrepreneurs? Well, what I, the way I look at it is this is a case study for entrepreneurs because if you're looking, and I'm now an entrepreneur. I was in corporate life. I changed to be to starting my own company and starting my little entrepreneurial business. Mm -hmm. um, and what you realize is it's sort of like a plane crash. I mean, you're starting off. You think things are going well. You're taking off. You're making some money, and all of a sudden, all stuff's breaking loose on you. You know, you're you can't collect your money. You've got you know marketing problems. Your funding's not there, and all. Mm -hmm. of a that stuff hitting you all the time but but you know there's you have course corrections right you have your right. flight plan but you have course corrections and all of a sudden you start getting the right people in the right seats on the plane that can help you and guide you and and use role models of other people who've done what you want to do and all of a sudden this is like a plane that be on a plane you're guiding through and hopefully you're going to have a, have a, a successful landing but it's uh i tell entrepreneurs it's just like being on a plane you know, you're going to have that. And I tell everybody, everybody in life is going to have their own personal plane crash, whether that's a fire, a flood, a health situation, whatever it may be. Right. And, and entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs are going to have the same thing. I mean, I haven't talked to any entrepreneur yet, and I've talked to a whole bunch of them that haven't had challenges. You know, everybody's got some challenges. And there's, no one's had a smooth takeoff and landing. They've right. had, they had some course corrections. Like they, like they talk to you when you fly to Hawaii, you're very rarely on, on the flight path to Hawaii. You're always course correcting on your way to Hawaii, but all of a sudden you see Honolulu show up. That's right. That's how they say a missile uh, tracks its target is by constantly correcting itself. Yep. So it's, uh, I think that's what my, my message to entrepreneurs is, and is I think it resonates too, because they, they appreciate um, the challenges you have to go through just to get, get to someplace, just to arrive. Right. And a lot of people um, doing a lot of readings and, and we publish some things on social media. People, people's perception of what success looks like. I saw a nice little imagery online. I, I, I love capturing whether it's a quote or an image that represents a concept. And it was simple. It was a straight line with an arrow. And at the end of it said success. And this was the perception of success. And then next to it was this line that was all over the board. And uh, like a major scribble uh, by a two-year-old in an arrow at the end of the line. And that's what success really looks like. And a lot of people who, especially non-entrepreneurs, and I'm learning. I'm a prior military guy, um, prior sales guy. And I'm learning, I'm, you know, actually my boss sat me down and he, we actually looked up the definition of an entrepreneur. And after he read it, he goes, so are you an entrepreneur? And I said, oh, I guess I am. So I'm changing my mind on my, my perception of who I am as it relates to being an entrepreneur. It's a learning process, but it truly isn't a straight arrow. And success isn't based off of, uh, you know, one effort, one action, and you succeed. It's little actions and it's failures and corrections. And uh, but you got to stay persistent. You got to stay on course. You got to stay focused. You can't be defeated by defeat. And um, you got to keep pushing through. And I think that um, there's a article called "The Common Denominator of Success" and the difference between a successful person. And one that is not successful is simply 
you know, the successful person keeps doing those things that unsuccessful people don't want to do, regardless of, you know, the adversity faced. They know that if I keep doing this, you keep evaluating, you keep seeking expert advice, you keep pushing through, you keep persevering, you believe in yourself, you have faith in yourself, and you'll, you know, you'll get there. And um, I think there's a lot of people that struggle with that concept. They think it's just a, you know, you show up and, you, and you're an expert at it. Everyone has a day one, and they're probably horrible on day one, so. Most definitely. <laughs> um, so what skills or training did you have in sales? Because I'm a prior sales guy, yeah, medical sales, pharma sales. Uh, and in being a security director for Tony Robbins, which I think is really cool, um, that you think you used on that that fateful day. Well, I think the one skill that I, I did I did really well in sales, um, and it's, it took me a while. Of course, you, it's an, it was an acquired skill, but I also I used that every time and used it definitely on that day was the skill of building rapport. And mm -hmm. I think that uh, one of the, one of the things my company always was questioned: How could I get into the C? CEO or CFO suite where everybody else is just hanging down low. And it was because of the skills that I used about how to build rapport and networking. It was just, it was something that I learned. And it, it you know, when I'm talking to CFO and someone else was talking to the uh, director of finance, all of a sudden, you know, we're talking two different levels of conversation. Right. Well, that happened that day on the plane too, because, you know, you know, building rapport when you have no rapport, that's what I tell people. You have 155 people didn't know each other, didn't care about each other. And all of a sudden, you know, you yeah, had to move quickly to get get an outcome, and sometimes you have to break people's states and where they're at. Some people, sometimes, like I tell people, one of the biggest skills that day that I used, I think other people used, and it's a, it was a great learning experience for me, uh, was uh, sometimes you have to check your ego at the door and let other people who have a better skill set handle the situation. Where you know leaders want to step up and just handle it, right? Give them, right. I'll handle it. Where sometimes other people have better skill sets than you. And let them handle what they can handle best, and let you know check your ego at the door. And that was uh, that was one of the greatest things that I learned, and I used also in sales, because when I got to the big sales, you know I thought I could handle everything, and all right. of a sudden, too complex anymore. This way too complex. So what, let let the people who know what they're doing handle the things, and you handle the handle the issues you need to handle. And checking your ego at the door was probably the second skill set that I used in sales that I used that day. Likewise. Uh, interesting. Uh, so again, um, the gentleman I work with, uh, his company that he ran, um, he had, uh, three company, uh, focuses or three goals. And, uh, so the number one goal was to love the customer. The second number one goal was to love, uh, the team member, you know, on the team. So you got to love the customer cause you need customers to uh, be profitable. And you also need to love your employee. Uh, because you need someone to take care of the customer. His third number one priority was keep it very, very humble, because if you do the first two very well, you will be very successful, and ego gets in the way. And I've, being in the military, I remember them running us through these exercises during training or boot camp uh, where it's an obstacle course and someone's assigned to be the leader, and you either do well, don't do well, or you freeze and someone steps up to the plate and takes over. And sometimes you're trying to make a decision and it's not a very clear decision and you have different people providing different input and you're timed and you're, you know, so there's stress factor, there's a physical factor, there's peer pressure. You want to do well, your ego, like you said, is in the way. And sometimes you got to step down and let someone else who runs it, um, you know, or who, who has a good focus and a good direction, you got to let them go. 
you have 155 people. You guys never coordinated, did anything other than stand in line and get on this plane prior to everything that took place. And everything happened in seconds. And like you said, you could have had a lot of people directing a lot of people into harm's way and you guys pulled together. And uh, I think that, you know, like you said, from a business standpoint or even an entrepreneur, those are key traits that really needs to be understood in a human behavior, right? Yeah, most definitely. That's right. And we talk about being entrepreneurs, being able to pull 155 people together with, like I said, with, with no common interest, no, not even yeah. know each other. And in less than six minutes, you pull off something that's never been pulled off in the history of aviation. To do that with not having any rapport initially, right? And it's, it's, a, great, it's a great case study for people who, if you have working on a team, if you know people and have rapport, how you can look at this and say, you know, if these guys did not have any rapport, We've right. got a report. Let's think what we could accomplish. And we just checked our egos at the door and worked together and not worry about the common mission instead of my outcome, my personal significance. Right. Um, how cold was that water? 36 degrees. So in you, there was no room for you. I was in uh, waist deep inside the plane for seven minutes and 36 degrees. And I, and I jumped in and swam to the closest boat that I could find when it was my time to go. I gotcha. Um, so there's, there's a shock here as well. I can't even fathom that. Um, you do a lot. So you had identified that there was three people waiting for you. And one of them was a Red Cross. And you have done uh, some tremendous service to the Red Cross. Is there anything you would like to share with that? Well, I just, you know, like, I had three Red Cross experiences that day. And the first one was when we hit shore in, in New Jersey with a, with a guy with a Red Cross blanket who helped carry me to the triage center because I couldn't walk mm -hmm. at that point in time. So, you know, after having those three Red Cross experiences, I was, you know, I wanted to give back and I couldn't think of anything but better to give back to the Red Cross. So locally here in Charlotte, where I live, they asked me to, to speak at one of their, their events and all of a sudden they, they raised a whole lot of money and which was great. I was really happy to be able to help them. But then that sort of became my, my contribution mission. So uh, that's why I, I speak at Red Cross events and help them raise much needed funds because as we know there's things happening all the time whether it's wildfires floods hurricanes whatever earthquakes and if uh, i can help take this miracle to every state and help them raise money so they're ready for their their next personal plane crash then that's my mission so fortunately for me i've been able to do that over 140 times and over the last about six years wonderful and i see you have a, a book called moments matter it's, uh, we, we published our book, Moments Matter, this last January, and very honored to do it. And I'm really happy that Cindy Wrightson helped me uh, put it out. She, uh, Cindy, I know, I've known Cindy for a long time, and Cindy probably knows me better um, about my background and personal sort of experience probably anybody. So when she, was, uh, she signed on to help me, I was really honored because she understands the jargon that I use, the, uh, the uh, sort of the ways I approach things, and she could help encapsulate these 12 ideas that uh, the skill sets that I used that day and a way that other people can use them and impact them. So I was honored that uh, we'd be able to publish the book and a portion of the proceeds I also donated to the Red Cross. I uh, made that commitment to the Red Cross this year. So if they go out and buy, purchase a copy, then net pro one part of the net proceeds go right to the Red Cross for the, to support your local Red Cross. Very cool. Where, uh, where can the listeners find your uh, Moments Matter? Well, right now it's on my website at DaveSandersonSpeaks.com. We're okay. we're getting ready to put out a couple, of, you know, the Audible and the Amazon versions here shortly. Okay. Um, going to my website is the easiest way, and um, I that way I personalize and 
and or sign each one of them that come uh, across my desk. Oh, very cool. And you briefly mentioned uh, this, and we talked prior to uh, the radio show here about your upcoming TED Talk in 2017 called Jolt. And uh, anything you want to share about what we can expect when that happens? Well, yeah, I was very honored and humbled when I was uh, selected to do a TED Talk up in <laughs> Kingston, Ontario. Powerful. It's, uh, it's uh, you know, and it's one of those things where you know it's 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 a wish list usually, but um, the, the press release is coming out here shortly. But it's going to be around uh, about you know how to grow from a traumatic experience. And the one thing about TED Talks that I'm learning and as I'm interacting with the folks up there is, you know, they're all looking for that one big idea that really no one's really talked about in right. public. And this is something that Kaylee, they said no one's ever talked about. Um, really? So they've never, so when they uh, asked me to do it, um, I'm, I've got about 16 minutes to put my, uh, my thoughts together about it, which is, this is the biggest challenge of my life right now. I'm finding <laughs> out is a convincing hour down to 16 minutes. Um, but I'm really honored to do it, and we we call it a jolt because it's it's everybody has those jolt, those midlife crisis points or jolts in their life. Right. You can either go either way with it, and and I'm gonna explain the questions I ask and how you change your state to do that, and and how depression is a state, and in any state can be changed at any moment in time. So it's it's um it can change in a in a moment it can change in a second um and again this goes back to controlling your thoughts and deciding where you're going to be and how you're going to live and what's going to impact you and and how you're going to respond to it so uh i listened to a lot of ted talks <clears throat> and i have read a little bit about what's expected of you i guess as a presenter uh, to be able to host there's a there's some some uh, lofty uh, requirements, I think, from a memorization standpoint and presentation standpoint, but it's, it sounds like it's going to be a very powerful message that you're going to have, and I guarantee I'm going to be uh, watching for that when it comes out in 2017. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, so if, uh, if you're listening, DaveSandersonSpeaks.com, uh, DaveSandersonSpeaks.com, and um, is there any uh, last comments you want to share, Dave? No, I, just, I am really, Chuck, I'm glad that you had me on and had this sort of a casual conversation about how to really, you know, get your mindset right, especially as we go into 2017. And Canley, right after this election process where the country is, excuse me, in a challenged state right now, and and uh, hopefully that some of this conversation will help some people, um, I hate to use the word calm down, but just sort of put things in proper perspective of where we're at. Um, and don't, uh, you know, as Tony taught me, as taught so it teaches everyone, you know, see things as they are, not worse than they are, you know, see things as they are, not worse than they are, and try to see it better than it is. And uh, I think I, that's my recommendation to people right now in my new blog that I just penned today about uh, taking, a, taking a step back and just, uh, you know, you know, like they say at NASA, and I think, you know, I, I, I use this a lot, but NASA said they work the problem, right? right. Don't see it, anything else, just work the problem and everything will play out the way it's supposed to play out. Don't see things as they're not. And um, I think that's where the country is right now. And hopefully, hopefully we can all um, get back together and going into next year and get everybody back in line. I, I would agree with you on that. And you're absolutely right. And it is, it is interesting. And as I think of your story and the experience that you had on that plane, uh, as well as others, you had a choice coming out of that day and everyone has a choice. Um, whether I'm, sort of living a, a dull experience in my life. I have a choice to stay in this dull experience 
or pursue my passion. Um, no one is truly stuck where they're at unless they choose to stay there, right? Um, you will never outperform your limiting beliefs, I've, I've heard before. And it's not external beliefs upon you, although it can be peer pressure and everything else. It's where you stand. And it's very evident that you have chosen to take this opportunity. And, and again, prior to uh, the radio show, you had shared a little bit about how you were kind of highly encouraged uh, by Tony. But, um, you know, sometimes uh, you need to take a leap of faith and believe in yourself, have faith in yourself and the system, uh, take possession of your mind, direct it to where you want to go and go for it. Right. And uh, I, I am, as I learn more about who you are and what you do and what you've done since that experience. And again, no one wishes that upon anyone. Uh, I, I can't even fathom going through a plane wreck and what I would do. And I would just pray that I would do something in even half of what you had did during that day. And I would pray that I would stay calm as well. But, um, well, I think my dad, my, my dad who passed away with two years ago, says something, I think what you said is it's right on what he said. It's like, sometimes everybody needs a good butt kicking, you know, yeah. <laughs> kicking the butt just to get, get yourself back in line and go with, uh, get your, get yourself together. And I think, uh, that day was that for me. It was like a, it was like an awakening for me. It was interesting. It, it was a second chance. And what, it's called halftime of your life. I think that was my halftime where it's like, okay, you've done everything up to this point. What are you going to do now? Right. Right. And it's up to you. There's your new book, Awakening. <laughs> there you go. I'm going to pin it right now. There we go. Dave, it was a pleasure talking to you. Uh, greatly appreciate it. Uh, for the listeners, you can go to Dave, and, um, I'm sorry, Dave Sanderson speaks.com. Uh, that is D A V E S A N D E R S O N. S-P-E-A-K-S dot com. And uh, you mentioned a blog, and I'm assuming the uh, listeners can go to your blog uh, through your website. Is that correct? Through my website, or check out Facebook at Dave Sanderson Speaks, or LinkedIn at David Sanderson, or this Twitter thing at uh, Dave Sanderson, too. I'm all, all of them now. You're I'm trying to figure all the social media stuff out. <laughs> I'm, I'm right there with yeah. you. Um, I'll be connecting with you on a couple of them before this day is out. So, uh, again, thank you so much. Again, want to thanks. Uh, Tom Tetal Cunningham for allowing uh, Dave and I to uh, share this conversation with the listeners. Uh, again, the uh, radio show is Journey to Success Radio. And uh, thank you very much. I would uh, hope that you continue uh, listening and uh, feel free to comment and uh, meet Dave on social media, track him down, read his uh, book, Moments Matter. And uh, I'm going to watch the, uh, the movie. I'll commit to you on that one, Dave. So I, I Check it out, Sully. Yeah, I think you'll so, I mean, yeah, I appreciate it very much. If you hang around to the end, you may see somebody you know. <laughs> all right. I'll, that's I'll all the insight I'll give you right now. All right. All right. Cool. Dave, thank you so much. I appreciate it, and uh, you have yourself a wonderful day. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of Journey to Success Radio. If you or anyone you know would like to be interviewed for the show, email tom at tomtutall.com for details.